This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Harry Slyric's infamous new true terror epic, Horror High, the real story of the Crippen High Massacre, a production that was plagued by an awful murder spree of its own. Horror High. They all died, but the film survived. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's back to school week on Pod Cemetery with 1987's Return to Horror High and 2019's School Spirit, an installment in the Into the Dark series on Hulu, brought to you by Blumhouse. <laughs> Moving right into our first movie, Return to Horror High from 1987. Written by Bill Froelich, Mark Lisson, and Dana Escalante. Directed by Bill Froelich. Starring Lori Lethen, Brenda Hughes, Alex Rocco, and Maureen McCormick. Alex Rocco being Mo Green from <laughs> The Godfather. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. But I'm sorry, he is forever locked in my mind as Roger Myers Jr. from The Simpsons. Hey, Gray, listen, write it down and mail it to last week when I might have cared. He's the guy who runs the studio that makes Itchy and Scratchy. Okay. But, I mean, what can I say? I was seven when Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, the first episode he was in, came out, and I hadn't seen The Godfather yet. <laughs> so, yes, he is... I grew up on The Godfather, so he's Mo Green. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. When I see him, I see Mo Green. But then he opens his mouth, <laughs> and he's Roger Myers Jr. Maureen McCormick, whose name we dropped earlier, is Officer Tyler in this movie, the blonde cop. And she is Marsha Brady. Yeah, and she plays a bizarre character. It is a bizarre character. Mm -hmm. Her whole thing with her boss is like a sex comedy yeah. sort of vibe going for it. 100%. And I don't get it. <laughs> it's weird, and you may be into that. But before we get into that, Kelsey, what is Return to Horror High about? A film is being made in a high school where an actual... Murder? Set of murders? Series of brutal murders, as the intro states. Okay, so, yeah, a series of murders took place, like, five years ago. So they're making a movie about it. The movie is available via subscription to Hoopla or Screambox. You can rent it for $4 on all the majors, or buy it for 10 to 15 but it is only $5 on Amazon. Should people watch Return to Horror High? If you like 80s slashers, yes. If you like weird, bizarre movies, yes. If neither of those apply to you, no. It is certainly interesting, some of the things that it does. And I feel 
Like, if you're going to watch it, watch it as a curiosity watch. Don't expect it to be a good movie. No. And it's a horror comedy, so it's not really scary in any way. Not really, no. It's mostly weird humor. Just very bizarre things. And it's... It does so many things that I'm like, ooh, oh, oh, that's interesting. And oh, I like that. But then the very next scene, it just fucks everything up. And that's what prevents me from saying it's a good movie. But it's certainly interesting. (laughs) And I think worth watching if you have a strong curiosity and like 80s slashers. Yes. And if you've seen School Spirit, the Hulu one, it. Takes a lot from this movie. It really does. It really does. And I will say, if I was to watch one of these again, it would be Return to Horror High. I feel like School Spirit is something you could have on in the background. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, but this this does weird shit. Yeah. And it's but also it's disappointing. Also bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it does some cool things. Like, don't get us wrong, this is not. The Japanese house. No. Not weird in that way. No. It's just what was that decision kind of weird. This is just, it's it's like weird 80s sexy slapstick comedy. It's all over the place. It's, yes. It's bizarre. But it's not, it's not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. No. You can take our advice or leave it such that it is. When we get back, we will talk about 1987's Return to Horror High. In 1982, Crippen High School was the scene of a series of brutal, savage murders. The homicidal maniac who committed the crimes was never captured. Now, he's about to return. to Horror High. It's a scream. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Return to Horror High begin? Okay. Let's just get this out of the way. Okay. It's going to be very difficult to discuss this movie without knowing what happens at the end. Do you agree? Yes. Because this- But it comes so far out of left field that, like- Almost doesn't matter. No, I definitely guessed it before it happened. So did I. I, So I wouldn't say it came out of left field. It's just, it's, I I guess it's just such a left turn, I guess, is more what I mean. Well, I... Feel free to spoil away. Okay. So they're supposed to be making a movie, like we said, in the actual high school where a series of murders actually took place. The actual text is, In 1982, a series of brutal murders rocked Crippen High School. The killer was never apprehended. Three months ago, Cosmic Pictures went to the town of Crippen to film the story of what actually happened, making the movie in the very halls of the now-abandoned school. They were not alone. And then we get the opening credits that says, Starring in Pieces... And then all the people that's in it, including George Clooney, by the way. Yeah. I didn't mention that. Part. Yeah, because it's he, it, he's the first one to die. Uh, it was right at the end of his 
17 episodes, I think, that he did on The Facts of Life, <laughs> which is, you know, what most people point to when they're like, well, you know, before ER, he was on television in The Facts of Life. <laughs> Uh, he was in other such shows. He had a television career. This wasn't his very first movie, but it was one of his early movies. Well, it's funny because he plays an actor trying yeah. to make it big. And yeah. he's, he's going to make it big on a TV show. Uh-huh. He doesn't get that chance, though, because he dies. Yep. I'm sure George Clooney is happy that didn't really happen. <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> I wonder if George Clooney would have done what his character does. In real life. Which is say, I'm sorry, I know I have a commitment to you guys, but this is a big opportunity for me, and it's not like you could sue me anyway. You have no money. Just kind of a dick move that he pulls. Right. I mean, it's a shitty-ass production. I totally get why you would do it, but, like, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, right, yeah. I think I'd feel too guilty. Exactly. But so I'm asking, do you think George Clooney would do it in real life? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know George Clooney's heart. <laughs> Anyway, it's very difficult to discern in this movie what is actually happening and what is part of their film because the movie not only does that as just a fun way to film it, mm -hmm. like it will sometimes let you know, hey, this is part of the movie that we were filming, but it won't tell you at first, it'll tell you after. So for example, when we're first introduced to their technical advisor, the local cop, who's going to play an integral role, yes, uh, when he first gets on the set, for whatever reason, he has his gun out. I'd like to point out that is a live gun yeah, that he is uh -huh, pointing at ammo. actors. Well, that he doesn't he, know what's going on. He's scared I to be understand. there. <laughs> at actors. But why why doesn't he understand that he's been called to do a set to do to help on a movie and he doesn't realize he's on a set? Well, yeah, I'm sure he knows he's on a set, but he doesn't know what the first thing he encounters is the lights going off. Like nobody's there to greet him. Nobody's there to tell him where to be. He's just following the signs. And then all of a sudden there's no lights. Somebody lights a lighter next to his face, which is bizarre, and then comes from the other side at him. It's very weird. And then cut. <laughs> so we're going to get a lot of those moments is what Kelsey's talking about here, where we get a scene that feels real and then they yell cut. It's not really that. And then when you think they're done with those, we're going to get dreams. Oh, yes. We do get a, at least one dream. Yeah. So there are going to be repeated moments of peril that aren't really happening. Yes. Just lets the wind right out of the sails. There are also going to be parts uh, that are f being filmed that they won't tell you are part of the film. Yeah. And there are also going to be parts that seem like they're part of the film, but are in fact reality. Yeah, they'll even go from like scene to scene before they reveal that it's just them filming the movie. So it is very confusing. Now, they did all of that. For a big reveal at the end of the film. Now, do I applaud them for nearly? It doesn't make any it? fucking sense. No. This has, a, <laughs> this has a big, okay, what now caveat at the yes. end. Like a huge one. Yes. How we're ultimately introduced to everything that's going on is that the cops show up 
and the only one there is the writer, and he is erratic, and there's dead bodies everywhere. They're all chopped up into pieces. They're finding pieces everywhere. And we got Maureen McCormick and her boss, the captain or whatever he is, the sergeant or whatever, uh, who shows up trying to like figure out what's going on. And the writer is the only one who knows what's going on. And that's going to be like our storytelling device. When we go back in time to see the filming of the movie, it's the writer telling them what happened. Yeah, which is also very confusing because the writer wouldn't have said half the things that he said. So don't be surprised if we get certain things wrong because we watched this a couple of days ago and it's already just set up to be the most confusing thing to recount as it could possibly be. Mm Mm-hmm. But so the big reveal at the end of the film Mm -hmm. is that the film crew is not dead. And that once they discovered who the real killer was, because yes, there is a real killer who is killing people. It is the same person who killed people before, five Mm -hmm. years ago. Once we find out who that is, apparently, in reality... They decided to keep filming their movie and make it seem like they had all died for a good movie. But yeah, but you're not dead. Like the movie huge or whatever. But you're not dead. You know, you could make an argument that it worked for Blair Witch for a year. Yeah, but Blair Witch is still a big movie. I understand, but how do you confuse the police like that? Yeah. That you have to lie to the police in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Like there is an official record. Like nobody in Blair Witch lied to the cops. Mm-hmm. And the cops, like the whole time, it felt like they were doing like police academy. It feels like there's police academy humor going on there oh, the yeah. whole time. Yeah, Maureen McCormick gets more and more comfortable with the carnage around her. And at some points she gets like really horned up. And some points she gets really hungry and wants to eat something disgusting. Get it? It's funny. She's eating a chili dog around all this gore. You know, like, that's the kind of thing that's going on here. And it's very weird. There's this sexual tension between her and her old boss. But it seems like the old boss is more confused (laughs) by it all. But she's just acting very, very bizarrely. And there is no explanation. That's just who she is. Yeah. Like, when I started to think... Are some of these things part of the movie? Like, I started to wonder, are they really dead? Yeah. It seemed stupid to me, because I was like, how could cops not know that a person wasn't fucking dead? Yeah. But, you know, like I said, it's police academy shit. But when I started to question that, I wondered if the cops were part of the movie, too. But they're not. No. So, let's get into what actually happens. This cop shows up as a technical advisor. His name is Blake. (laughs) Well, Stephen Blake. He goes by his last name. He ends up having to take the role of himself because George Clooney quits. Mo Green is in the background being just the really offensive producer type, just trying to get this thing going, talking to reporters, trying to hype up the movie, all of that. But now he has to convince this cop to play himself. And we learn a key piece of information here, which is that the janitor and the principal were already playing themselves. 
So now he's just going to do it too. They're not actors. So he can do it. But that's going to be a key piece of information that these three people were here at the time of the original murders. Yeah, and the principal's really weird. Yeah, he's very weird. He seems very traumatized. Mm-hmm. Also, another strange thing that happens throughout this movie, there's like a ton of other actors that we just, we see for the scene, and then we never see them again. We do, especially at the end. No, but the scenes in the classrooms oh, yeah, are uh-huh. filled. Those classrooms yeah. are filled, and we never see those kids again. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing. And not only can you confuse what's happening in what we later find out to be just them filming the movie, not only can you confuse that with modern day, but it also feels like they're telling the original story. Because at one point, the principal says to the lead actress, Callie, played by Lori Lethen, you know, like, oh, I remember it. I remember them all. And then... And then we're on the school campus and there's a bunch of of kids around. And you're right. We never see those people as just actors Mm -hmm. outside of it. But yes, there are two different timelines that we could confuse that filming for. And then there's the fact that this is all wrapped up in the storytelling device of the author. So there's like four different scenarios that anything could be taking place in. And do I applaud them for trying? Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. They do not succeed. They did not succeed. But I absolutely <laughs> applaud them for it. It's a good idea. It just needed a lot more time being edited before it was filmed. So some of the murders are frustrating. Because, for example, George Clooney is lost, right? He's looking for his way out because he wants to go make his show, and which is why nobody wonders where he is. And he gets lost, and he's, like, seeing somebody creepily walking around in the shadows. But he continues to walk towards that person. Yeah. Because he refuses to understand that this is a creepy person hanging out in the shadows who's not responding to you. Yeah. When he obviously can hear you. Well, let me chase that person down. Yeah, let me go and find out why this person is acting like this. Let uh-huh. me go down this weird hallway. Oh, is that dripping blood? I better investigate. Like, it's, it is over the top. Yeah. Which is odd because it didn't sometimes, most of the time it didn't feel like they were making fun of the horror genre. No. Although there are, there are some fun moments. One of the characters gets beheaded, uh, and when he gets his head chopped off, we see it through the doorway to a classroom, and we see him fall down. Then we see, like, an axe, I think, come down in silhouette through the window, and then we see the head pop up spinning. Yes, and was that just, was funny. It was really funny. Yes. <sighs> I don't know that it's necessarily making fun. It's trying to make a a horror comedy. And it's just this weird tone that it strikes throughout. I just, I feel like if you're going to make George Clooney comically stupid, make him comically stupid. Play it up a little bit more? Yeah. Or don't make it so ridiculous that he would go after this. Uh Uh-huh. Seems weird. So... The janitor is a weird character. I'm gonna do some of them pussy films. (laughs) Pornos. Because I'm pretty sure 
that the janitor doesn't actually exist. Amos. And that he is supposed to be the principal. Yes, who is the real killer. Even though I'm fairly certain we see them in a room together at some point. I don't think we do because the principal is holed up in one of the classrooms most of the time. He's not playing the teacher, right? That's another actor? No, that's another actor who we also don't, I, I think, ever see. Yeah, Outside of now, those scenes. they will constantly say, people keep not showing up. Yeah, but I just like, figured that's what working on an indie movie is like. Does that mean that they're killing them off and we're not seeing it? Well, I mean, some people do get killed. Some people do, and we see that. But what I'm asking is, are other characters being killed off and we're not being told about it? I don't know. Here's a question. There's a guy that gets killed off with an engine fan. And that was faked. But we saw it play out. But that was for the sake of the cops. That was happening in real life outside of the filming. So why did it have to play out like there was a real scene happening? If it wasn't being filmed. The idea, I think, is that all those scenes were filmed. And so they filmed the quote-unquote real-life murders? No. That's what I'm saying. If they didn't film it, then what's the point? The actor who plays the dickhead jock yeah after they film a scene he goes off on his own he follows somebody who ends up getting pulled down into the sand and then he gets strung up and then the fan chops him up we find out later that it's like oh man great effect with the fan or whatever so that wasn't for the sake of the movie that they were filming it was them staging his death for the cops but the cops didn't see anyone actually die. They just needed to see the aftermath. So why did they stage the whole death? It's would, just for the sake of the audience, I feel. It's like I one would of those need to holes. rewatch it. It's very confusing. Yeah, it is. It is. The movie cheats that way. Yeah, it's it's definitely banking on you not knowing. So it plays around with that. Yeah. I don't know what the squeaking sound was supposed to be. I thought it was supposed to be the janitor. It is the janitor, yeah. Because later we see the mop and bucket. But then we hear it. We hear it when the janitor's not around, too. We hear it when somebody's about to be killed. Yeah. So I think generally he kills people as the janitor. Okay, guys. So let's explain this. The janitor is a black man, <laughs> Amos, played by Al Fan, and the principal, Principal Castleman, is played by a white man, Andy Romano, and he's wearing a mask. One, like the most incredible mask and from the 80s ever. Yeah, uh-huh. That's how they explain silly. that. Yeah. And I guess because nobody questioned that he was the janitor, I guess he also acted like in 82, in the original murders, he was also just doing a janitorial job. Yeah, he acted as the janitor <laughs> because the- He was the principal and the janitor just to keep this charade up. Well, because the cop was friends with him. Yeah. In high school, when he went there, yeah. he says to him, you were always nice to me. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember you too, Stevie Blake, when you went here. He was always nice to me. <laughs> Not like the mothers, though. <laughs> so, yeah, he did it for a really long time. <laughs> and went over the top with the amount of effort. Loved his daughter, guys. He really yeah, loved Yeah, really his loved his daughter. Didn't really give a shit about his son. No. <laughs> I called that, by the way. I totally called that. I mean... You, I mean, I knew that there was something going on with him, obviously, 
because the way he was talking and about the actual murders and wanting to get it right in his writing and yeah his obsession with the writing the writer is the son of the principal but we learn early on when the cop Blake who used to date the principal's daughter had no idea she was the principal's daughter the principal was like yeah that's because she didn't want anybody to know and so she didn't use my name mm-hmm. when she was enrolled here. And so we have the writer who's also obsessed with getting everything just right. Oh, I didn't write that scene, that sort of stuff. Him being obsessed with that. He also went to school there because he mentions, oh, I used to I used to go here a long time ago or whatever. I assume he also went there under a different name that he has kept as a writer. So, yeah, it was not that hard to suss out. Mm-hmm. But so let's just say what happened to the girl. It's so it's a crazy story. Yeah. The principal keeps telling Blake that she's going to grad school. She's gone. That's the only thing that she went off to grad school. That's why you haven't heard from her in years. But in reality, well, so he also knew that she went to her grandmother's house for the summer. Yeah. And then she just never came back. Uh Uh-huh. So apparently they had sex on the on night prom of prom, night, yeah. which got her pregnant, which meant that she went away, mm-hmm. and then she gave herself an abortion, and then she died. Yep. It's just like, holy fucking shit. Yes. And so that's why this it's guy really does all of this stuff. messed up story uh-huh. to put inside of this wacky movie. Yep. Like, just to use that. And also, there is a lot. Now, I get that the main actress of the film is there to constantly talk about, like, you know, sexism and, you know, women's rights and all that. But we are also constantly, like, rape scenes and boobs being groped. I wrote, oh, yay, sexual harassment, the scene. And then I wrote, oh, wait scenes because then there's the scene of them in the car yep oh and it's rape yay yes and then we get cut and we find out that oh no they were just filming that scene which the writer was very upset about and she callie gets like really upset and she gets to make some great points that's it no more you guys are probably gonna want to do is ice my nipples to make them stick out Oh, women, always the ones to be exploited. What is it with you guys? Yeah, I'm having a great time. Oh, really? Well, would you if you had to walk around in this scene with your schlong hanging out? Only in your case, darling, it would be a schlort. Come on, Callie, it's a movie. Shit. You know what happens to movies? People see them. It seeps into their minds. Everything we do plants a seed. What the fuck is she talking about? I am talking about the necessity of this scene, Harry. (laughs) Look, you gotta know she was raped. You don't have to show it to know it. Who the hell wants to hear about it? It is degrading to women. It sells tickets. Well, it shouldn't. If they keep seeing them, I'll keep making them. (sighs) No, no, I am sorry. There is nothing redeeming about this shit. (laughs) The writer agrees with her. Even the producer, who's the scummy guy, begrudgingly agrees that, oh man, she's making a lot of noise, I'm going to have to acquiesce. But those scenes are still in the movie. 
presented ostensibly as if they are real when they're happening. So the movie is making really good points, but then it tries to eat its cake too mm-hmm. by, having by having those having scenes it. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, okay, movie, you're right about all the points you're making, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't give you a free pass on including that content there for the very same reasons you're arguing against it. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, the principal also had a son who is the writer. So, the idea that, I mean, the director says it's important that we know that she was raped. The writer claims he didn't write this scene that way. Yeah. But I think the implication is he's saying that his sister was raped. No, I think that she just has sex and the producer changed it. There are rewrites on this movie that were made without the writer's permission, and the movie isn't really focused about that. The rewrites come from everywhere, because sometimes the director is like, no, but this is what I need for my vision. Like, he's one of those sort of directors. And then the producer is like, ah, we need smut. You know, and so, like, they're coming from all angles. But the director specifically says they need to know she was raped. So it was in the story. No, I think that's just him talking about his vision, what he wants the character to be, what he wants to present. The audience needs to know that she was raped. Perhaps the brother was told that she was raped so that he wouldn't think that his sister would have sex. Got it. I see. The brother didn't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. I could I could buy that, yeah. But also, guys, so there's this horrible story, right? And then there's this guy who's gone insane because his daughter died in this terrible way. And so he's killing people off, I guess, out of anger. And he becomes Jason at the end. He can't be killed. Or he becomes Michael Myers at the end. Yeah. Did we need that? You're talking about serious content, yeah. and then you turn him into this guy who can't be killed. This is, it's very goofy and over the top. Yeah. It just does not seem appropriate, It doesn't. Guys. It's not. There's also this really weird thing where they have Callie, played by Lori Lethen, she also puts on a redhead wig to play this girl who was sexually assaulted and raped. And then she puts on a brunette wig to play Susan, who's another student, a new student. So we have Callie in three different roles in this movie, as herself and as oh, they, two different characters in the movie. They, they make comment a joke on that. about it. I know, they comment on that. On a low-budget film, you just get so used to working with less, you expect a certain amount of attrition. Look, someone doesn't show up for work, somebody else doubles up on that job. Isn't that a, isn't that a guy? See... We had one actress play three different characters. Just plopped on a new wig. But it just adds to the confusion. Yes. Because they don't comment on it, I think, until after we've seen all three of them. Yeah, because I think I think that was like, oh, right. when they said it. Like, because I'm not good with faces. Faces, yes. Uh-huh. At one point, the cops are looking at the bodies of the crew. And one of them's like, I think that one moved. So they go to check on it, right? They find an arm. When they go to check on it, another one falls over and nobody looks at that one. Yeah. (laughs) But so they go to look at it and they still don't see that he's alive. No, they find an arm. No, she, because they find an arm and they're like, 
uh, I thought these were all put together. That was a man's arm. Like, you know, that whole thing. And it's just, well, because everything was kind of haphazard. And that's the other thing. Every one of these bodies that they're finding, like, I get that they're finding a lot of pieces that were made by the prop department. But they're still finding, like, the actual bodies under the the sheets. They're entirely whole. So who are these body parts supposed to belong to? They don't find a single real person in pieces. Even though there are a few, actually, <laughs> in reality. No, the the propeller was in the movie because I, the, I have all of this written down. It's really kind of funny because I didn't realize it was in the movie. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. There's the scene where the... Jock is about to rape the girl, which is terrible, and then she yells about it being degrading towards women. The crew is upset with Mo Green because he ain't paying them shit. Mm -hmm. This is where the head flip and silhouette happens? Yes, and it's very funny. Uh I wrote down, is this movie secretly good? (laughs) And then in parentheses, probably not, but it has its moments. (laughs) And then we see a guy find something. That suddenly moves on its own. Uh Uh-huh. And he seems very curious about it. And I'm like, well, there's obviously a fucking string to it. How is he not Uh seeing the string? He's like... (laughs) Yeah, like Like, being a a doofus (laughs) about it. And then it it goes into this sand pit. (laughs) I mean, it looks like a shop class. Maybe it's there for oil changes. Or to prevent oil from leaking everywhere it falls into the sand, right? Maybe that's what it's about. But then this, like, hand comes out and grabs him and pulls him in. And then the dude who raped the girl comes in, and that's when he gets hoisted up and the and the engine's on. So, like, that one isn't real, we know, because he gets up at the end of the movie. But the dude was pulled into the sand and that was real? I don't know, because I wrote, now he's strung up? Yeah, that's a different guy. Now there's a propeller? Yes. And then I have the director shouting, I want to show the edge of sanity. Because he's mad because... Yes, I know what you're talking about. That is a different time and place. (laughs) They are filming a different scene. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't know. It's very confusing. I'm sure if we if we really wanted to, we could sit down. Yeah, I have this desire to watch it again. Just to, but like, no. (laughs) There's also a dissection scene when... The principal gets cut up and it just takes for ever <laughs> just goes on and on just watching this principal get dissected. We haven't said who the director is yet. The director is uh, Scott Jacoby playing Josh Forbes. Yes. And why do we know that guy? Do you remember? I knew I knew him. Yeah, me too. But I didn't see what it was from. He's from Bad Ronald. Oh, right. Yes. He's Ronald, Ronald from Bad Ronald. Like I'm like, why do I know this guy's face? I do know, you know him who from something. I thought he was the entire time until I saw that he was from Bad Ronald. Crispin Glover? No. <laughs> Whoa. The guy from the stupid version of Flowers for Algernon. Oh, the dude from Stranger Things. Yes. Um, because they are twins. That is why. <laughs> I'm they look so goddamn like the same person. I would say to them, you want ice cream cone? Both of them say yes. How that, in the hell? They are twins. What that's the hell? Why. Matthew Modine. Yes. 
Because they are he do- that's the That's the, oh my God, yes. I was like, who does he remind me of? <laughs> and I could not think of it. And my mind kept going to Crispin Glover, but I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> it's Matthew Modine. Mm-hmm. Because they Totally. Alike. I feel like we mentioned that when we watched Bad Ronald. We did. Yeah. Because I thought it was him the entire time. <laughs> You had to tell me it was a different actor. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Bad Ronald from 1974, starring Pippa Scott, Dabney Coleman, and Matthew Modine as... I'm sorry, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> Scott Jacoby as Bad Ronald. Who looks just like Matthew Modine. And would have been... Like, Matthew Modine would have been like something like 14 or something like that when this movie came out. So maybe a little too young. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But he looked just like him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see this guy and you're like, that's not Matthew Modine? You're fucking with me. <laughs> like, nope. It's just some dude called Scott Jacoby. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> but So he is explaining that he wants to make a really subtle movie. He wants to make it about the edge of sanity. Yeah. And the producer just wants blood and, and boobs. Oh, there's an exploding tit, by the way. Yes, there is. Which they're like, really good prosthetic, but no. We, we're not, this is not the type of movie we're doing. It's funny how they did that, too. It's just a girl walking around topless. And they're like, oh, those aren't her real boobs. And then they hand her a towel so she can cover herself. And then somebody asks to see the fake boob. And they reach under the towel and rip it off, ostensibly. But really, they're just grabbing a separate prop. And then they throw that. No, don't throw it. And then, boom. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very clever. How was that supposed to be part of the movie? I don't know. <laughs> but the director is very stressed out. Yeah. So the director needs to go and get high. He's going to go and get high in a bathroom stall with some crew members. Yes. And there's another comedy moment where, like... 30 crew members come out of this one stall. Yes, and they do not comment on it. Not at all. They just keep coming out of the stall. It is just a joke that if you're paying attention, you'll notice they're all coming out of one stall. And it's like Blazing Saddles or Cannibal the Musical where they're just making a circle and they make it really obvious in those movies that, hey, this is the joke. But in, in this one, it's like, wait, you get the impression that is that just like movie magic? Is there just like a whole room behind that stall? Mm-hmm. Like it's not clear that it's supposed to be funny that there's a clown car stall. Very bizarre. And I kind of loved it. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. When the movie does some really interesting things. It's very weird. <laughs> yes. And it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Somewhere around here I wrote, this movie is so hit or miss. Everything is either the worst or the best. But a little bit too often the worst. At one point, the cops are talking to the author, the writer, and they just start stepping over the corpses. Mm-hmm. Again, like, it get and it gets goofier as the movie goes on. Maureen McCormick keeps unbuttoning buttons in her top. Yes, these Grabbing her boob. <laughs> keep happening, and no one comments on any of it. <laughs> The, the cop occasionally gives her weird looks, but that is the most it yeah, comes to. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Blake and Callie are starting to get along. They're starting to bond. There are a couple scenes of them bonding. It's not really important. Did the teacher actually get dissected? Yes. I mean, in real life. 
in reality. I don't think so. But we again, we never see him offset. But who knows? I might be wrong. The teacher's a real dickhead, by the way. Right. Yeah. So we get a bunch of scenes with him and none of them matter because they're all in the movie. It's all very confusing. Yeah. I don't know what's in the movie. I don't know what's happening in reality anymore. Yeah. I hate these blurred lines. (laughs) So Blake and Callie are going to start like trying to figure out what's going on. No. She has her own dream later. And Mo Green is talking to some chick on the phone. A reporter. Who's telling him. That the killer is there. And he's like, you're right, Sally. No, and I'm we've just heard like, rumors what that is going on? She's telling him that they've heard rumors that the ki- that people are being killed on set. Who they're hearing these rumors from, maybe the writer, maybe the principal, who knows. And he's eager to confirm them because he really wants to hype up this movie. He really wants to get people talking about the movie. Oh, the mask. Right. It's like a paper mache mask. It's a weird mask. Yeah. Yeah. Or am I thinking of school spirit? No, you're not. You're not. Okay. This is. We see it in the window. Guys, school spirit took a lot from this Oh my God. It movie. took so much from this movie. I'm realizing it now. Like how much these blurred lines are ruining it. Like I'm just like, I can't remember which movie is which. And then the fact that there are like three movies going on in Return to Horror High. Oh, yes. I'm very confused. I'm confused all over the place. Right. You will. Ha- you could watch this movie not knowing anything and have what you think is a grasp on what's going on and it's a little bit ridiculous. But then when you start going back and thinking about all the scenes, you're like, no, wait, no, that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. But what I was going to say is that Blake and Callie start trying to figure out what's really going on, who the real killer was, because the real killer was never found, and they have one of those conspiracy boards, and then they just stop talking in the middle of their conversation about it, and then they just start making out, and then they have sex. Meanwhile, we keep cutting to just three dudes welding something outside the window, causing a strobe effect Yeah, it's inside. supposed to be funny. It is funny, but, I but we like that. keep cutting back to them throughout the sex scene. I agree yeah. that. <laughs> I thought that was funny, yes. <laughs> and the music. Oh my god. I liked the music. Yeah. I thought it was fun. There's a song at the end of this, by the way. I like scary movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're certainly ending the episode with that song. But there's a song in the other movie I want to do I too. I don't care. We're <laughs> definitely. I almost want to make this our new theme song. <laughs> she has a very interesting dream where the director is like, but it's again supposed to be in a movie in her dream. Uh-huh. And they cut. And it's supposed to be the the janitor who's the killer in their movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Oh, yeah. That's what happens. I'm talking about what really happens. <laughs> yes, in the dream, they're filming the movie and her character gets her neck slit from behind by Amos because the movie is going to say that he's really the killer. And he just does it in reality. And the director's like, Kelly, no! 
It's a really and funny scene. She wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so like you're just like, what is happening, movie? What this are you is, doing to this me? This is where I wrote down, and now there's a dream. <laughs> Nothing is real. We're gonna find out that this is what the movie became. Yep. It's just an avant-garde production, yep. and all of this is the movie. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens. Kind of. That's what all of this is part of the production. But yes, when she wakes up, Blake is like. I hear something, and he goes outside, and then he comes back. The killer's out there. This is when the movie just becomes a mess. Yes. Just a puddle. Like, I wrote down, wait a minute. What just happened here? Did they say they flushed body parts down the toilet? Did did they just say, when did the director die? Like, <laughs> like everything. Yeah, we get, the, we get the producer is dead. Mm -hmm. We see the assistant die. The, yeah, the director dies and all these people are dying and we don't get to see any of that. But what's going on with Blake and Callie is real murders are happening around them. But meanwhile, off screen, the director, the producer, the prop department and the writer are all figuring out how to make it look like there was a giant massacre to capitalize on this story and then they can just get out of there. Not until after they discovered who the killer was. Well, we don't get the reveal until after that. Yeah, we don't get the reveal until but after if, all this stuff. if the stuff. director gets so killed, then So it's even then more that confusing because it's like, am I watching the movie you made? Yeah. But right. also getting what really happened right. after, even though that happened before this. But that's why I'm saying if, the, if you wrote down that the director died before they find out who the real killer is, then they already started this plan before they find out who the killer is. Unless they've already edited the film together right. for us. <laughs> oh, that's a whole new wrinkle. <laughs> so anyway, Callie and Yeah, and who was Blake, filming when they killed the principal? Who was filming when they again, went down? I can't his, confirm that that's real. When did they film? That's, when that's they what went I'm saying. No, that was real. to classroom. Because Insidious 2 stole from this movie, too. <laughs> that was a real thing. When they go that down really into happened. the sand, that really happened. How did they film that? They didn't. That's the movie. That's the that's Return to Horror High filming it, not the Crippen High Massacre movie. It's uh, so they go down into the <laughs> sand pit, which would be physically impossible to exist, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is a school. This is a legitimate school. Why does this room no, exist? But, but how does he get out of there? There is a, a sand pit with a false bottom and they destroy it going down there. So how does he get in and out? How would there be a gap in that in that door with all that sand on top of it? Uh, there's a secret door in the secret tunnel down here. And when Callie asks Blake, how did you know that? He says, training. Yes, I wrote that down. And they, they do not comment on that. It almost felt like they're trying to make you think that Blake is the killer. But there's no explanation as to why he was like, this is a fake tour. How did you know? Training. I hope it means that he's an actor. Oh, no, but he specifically said he had never acted no, before. No, yeah, no, he's not an actor. God damn it. <laughs> so. Insidious 2. They get down there, and there is just a classroom full of dead people. I'm so glad we've already done Insidious 2. <laughs> 
sort of like in Insidious 2, there's like the pews filled with all those people. Brides. Yes, because the whole deal. And this is all girls. Is that the principal was trying to get a replacement for his daughter and ended up having to kill all of them. When they figure that out, they're like, oh, shit. They turn around and Amos is there and they're like, Amos, what the fuck? You did this? You're working for the principal? And he's like, no, I'm telling you, he's coming. Let's get out of here. Somebody like Blake or somebody says there's one chair left. And then Amos says, it's for you or however. He says it in a really weird way. Mm -hmm. There's one chair left. It's for you. <laughs> and then they struggle, and then the mask gets ripped off, and it's revealed that Amos, the black janitor, is actually Principal Castleman. You've been very disruptive. Ah, uh, so they fight, and then he strings up Callie. Blake pretends to he's gonna leave. Yeah, he's like to go oh, to watch a football she game. She doesn't like football. I gotta go watch the football game. Go ahead and kill her. And the principal's confused. Yeah, he's Jason. I kind Very of confused. I kind of love him when the principal goes crazy mode here, though. He's very interesting. He's like, wait, wait a second. Oh, ah. No, wait, wait a second. <laughs> he's just, he's, he's fun. He's Jason. But no, he has more personality than Jason. <laughs> You're saying Jason in the regards of like, are you really my mom? Like that way? <laughs> yes. You know, but no, like, yes, he does get confused, but it's much more comical, uh, played up for the comic effect. Oh, <laughs> when Castleman's mask comes off, Blake says to him, Castleman, you hunky. <laughs> <laughs> this yep. is where I wrote down. So wait, he pretended to be the janitor for years? <laughs> Why? <laughs> if he was going to kill in secret, nobody was going to know the janitor did it anyway. Why? I guess to get intel, secret information. They, he said he was nice to him. Maybe he told him when he got when they scored. I don't know. There's also a whole scene in the movie written by the principal's son, by the way, explaining how formaldehyde preserves bodies. And this thing died a long time ago, but it looks exactly like it was when it first died because formaldehyde preserves the bodies. None of these bodies are preserved. <laughs> Just like, what, what was that scene about? It served no know. purpose. I do not know. <laughs> He ends up throwing a javelin into the principal because it's like a storage room down there. Throws a javelin into the principal's chest, pinning him against the wall, and they get out of there. And then we cut to modern day again, and they're all ready to go down into the basement because I guess now the writer told him that the killer's down in the basement. Finally, we don't see that. They're just like gearing up to go down into the basement because these two stories that were supposed to have taken place in different times, have converged at the same exact moment. Yes. And all the cops get ready, and every single one of the cops goes down into this basement to kill this janitor, which they do with aplomb, all these machine guns and shit. You can tell the lead cop is kind of disappointed that they only got to put a few bullets in the dude, and then he keeps coming at them again, and then mm -hmm. he unleashes, like he gets to have his fun. Michael Myers. Yes. Oh, very much so. And then we get to see the writer look out over the field of dead bodies and no cops in sight. 
And it's like, come on, everybody, it worked. And then all the dead bodies spring up, and it's the entire cast and crew. They're like, they bought it. Who's come on, we gotta get out of here. It's not being filmed. I don't know how many times I need to tell you it that. It has to be being filmed, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't would go do into it. the movie. It's publicity for the movie. The movie is still what they were originally intending to film. All this extra stuff about them being dead is the publicity they need for people to go see that movie. Everyone died, but we still retained the footage. It doesn't make any damn sense. That part makes sense, I promise you. <laughs> and then they all drive away, and then the cops come out, and they're like, uh, where are all the dead bodies? And what does Tyler say? You mean someone is still out there? Well, that's the way we got to play it. And then the movie almost ends. We get one last scene of the writer, and he's writing something on his typewriter. And then he starts talking to his dad, the principal. And we find out that he was the principal's son the entire time. And then he looks up off camera, and it's like, Dad? And you're like, oh, God, he's talking to himself. You're alive? Or whatever it is that he says Hi, there. Dad! Yeah. And the, the smile he has on his face felt very much like... One of the comic shots from Creepshow. Yeah. And that's where the movie ends. And then we get I Like Scary Movies playing over the end credits. Mm -hmm. <sighs> that was rough to get through. That was Return to Horror High. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Hold on. I'll tell you now. It doesn't have an official score. Oh. There are only four professional reviews. I will tell you what those reviews were, positive or negative, after this. There are, however... 2,500 plus audience reviews. So you want me to guess the audience reviews? Yes. I'm going to guess like a 60? 18. Wow! Yes. I would have thought a lot of people would have loved this. I agree. I totally thought that people, uh, like, wow. Every one of the four professional reviews was negative. So if there were enough to give it a real score, it would be a zero. But if audience scores, that really surprises me. It, I would have after thought. After that many, there weren't people coming in that had to talk about how much they loved, how goofy it was. Yeah, and, how bizarre yeah. and funny. Like I totally don't mind that they How much they loved and, Return of yeah. the Living Dead. They yeah. wouldn't love this. Well, <laughs> let's not sick our audience on us. <laughs> <laughs> and compare these two movies. I will say, however, that 18% is underrated. Yes. It is not an 18% movie. No. What would you say it is? I'm going to give it a 57. I was going to go lower than that. I wasn't going to give it higher than 50. My reason being is, like I said, it's either the best or the worst, and it is more the worst than it is the best. I'm giving it a lot of score for... How ambitious it was. It was very ambitious. I think that's a great term for it. I was going to give it a 47. I actually already have it written down here. <laughs> Not quite a 50. I think it's extremely ambitious. Some of the moments made me smile. The, the fucking bathroom scene. I was just like, yeah. what? But, but it's just couched in all of this bad movie. Yeah. I really liked the director. I get it. I get it. No, trust me. <laughs> I get Ronald it. Ronald was great. <laughs> Some of the moments in this movie were just chef's kiss. Mwah. 
So good. The main actress was pretty good. Yeah, she was fun. And as confusing and messy as it is, I love the effort. Here's a question. I'm an effort kind of teacher. (laughs) Yeah, if you put in the effort, you'll get a better grade. It matters to me. Here's a question. It's more like I'm presenting you with something and I want to see if you agree. Stephen Blake, the cop come actor. I was also trying to think of who he reminded me of. And you know who I landed on? He's like a slightly hunkier Arnie from Christine. How dare you? Oh, yeah, because you think Arnie is hunky? Mm-hmm. You're weird, Kelsey. You're a weirdo. I'm going to make it 52. I'm a weirdo. I'm going to make it 52. Okay. My score is 52. Right. I feel like I was giving it a little too much of a bump. Yeah. I got to well, remember all the shitty exploitation crap. That that took 5% away. <laughs> While this isn't one of my favorite movies we've watched this year, it's definitely one of the ones I'm most glad I watched. Really? Yeah. Because it's just so unique. There's I, a lot and yet of I fun talking about it. Yeah. But, I mean... I'm less of an effort kind of teacher. <laughs> I can talk about how proud I am of this movie for being ambitious. <laughs> and it does do a lot of stuff really good, but not enough to get a, even close to a passing grade. So that is 1987's Return to Horror High, our classic film this back to school week, even though, yes, we know people have been back to school for a while. Moving on to our modern film, 2019's School Spirit. As I said before, this is an installment in Hulu and Blumhouse's Into the Dark. So if you're looking for it, it's on Hulu. It's the only way you can watch it. The movie is directed by Mike Gann, written by Pat Casey, Josh Miller, and Mike Gann. Starring Annie Q, Corey Fogelmanis, and Jesse Case. What is School Spirit about? It's basically the breakfast club with a ghost. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. But also Return to Horror High. Yes. (laughs) So think Return to Horror High without the slapstick. Yes. This takes itself seriously. Uh With the plot of the breakfast club. And add in a ghost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except fucking don't. Oh my God. That was also something that we were able to call from a mile away. Yeah. I was really excited for a ghost movie. I like ghosts. I know you do. And it was kind of a cool ghost for like a low stakes. Fun haunting. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And then they took it away. Yeah. Like I said, the movie is available on Hulu. Should people watch School Spirit? I mean, it's not even an hour and a half. It's so inoffensive. It's fun. Parts of it are fun. It's, it's, it's fine. I, if you're looking for something to pass an hour and a half or less, why not? Yeah. I don't know. It's not that bad. It also, I mean, but it feels like it's part of an anthology, which I, I understand it is, but the fact that it was feature length, it's kind of it's like, not like, even it, an hour and a half. It's still feature length. Mm. I guess it's like an hour and ten, huh? 
to be no, it's like an hour and twenty something, I think, or hour eighteen or something like. No, that. No, I'm saying to become an hour to become a feature length, it needs to be like an hour and ten. It depends on whose standard you're looking at. There are some standards where it's in like it's like forty eight minutes or something like that. Oh, yeah. It it's just it it feels like that. It's not good. No, but it's, it's not. not <laughs> but it's not like bad either. I guess, and there's there's it's a lot to really teen like about drama. it. What it, do yes, you want? There you go. There you go. That's it. It is teen drama, which I love. I know you do. So if you're into that sort of thing, that's going to appeal to you here. Yeah, it, it, but it's not good. Like I legitimately enjoyed my Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen. This is not that. No, it's not. This is not. This is not as fun as that. It wants to be. It thinks it is, but it's just not. I think that that is an apt description. Yeah. You could take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2019's School Spirit. Why do students go missing every year? The school spirit was some uptight teacher. The kids pulled a prank on her. She had a heart attack and died on the spot. And since then, she's been taking revenge on bad kids. That is so stupid. <laughs> Welcome to the first Saturday detention of the year. What happens in detention stays in detention. Do you hear that? What? Maybe we shouldn't have gotten high and told ghost stories. The school spirit is upon us. Some zombie taking bad students. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does school spirit begin? With two teens trying to set up a camera to live stream girls in locker rooms. Yeah, right before homecoming. Mm-hmm. So this is right before school starts again. Mm-hmm. This is the day before school starts, apparently. The dude claims that he's not going to do anything creepy with it. I'm just going to live stream it before homecoming and cause some drama. Like, come on. It's very fucked up, but it doesn't It doesn't actually happen. Yes. Because they are both killed by what the seems admiral. to be uh yeah there's a wind and then there's a shadow of an admiral which is the town the the school mascot yeah they are the hellbrook admirals hellbrook is that a, is that a real thing i have no idea but so a week later or i guess the next saturday one week later is what it says oh but i thought we saw a video of right before that we get Annie Q playing Erica, who Kelsey and I know from The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. She yes, a, we do. She was a big part of the first season of The Leftovers. Well, I wouldn't call her a big part, but she... She was a pretty big part. Yeah. Um, She was the son's... Like, the whole son's storyline was all about her. I suppose. She's giving one of those sort of, like, morning announcement. So let's make the best of our last year. Take a risk. Get to know that person you've always been curious about and follow through on your big plans before it's too late. But also, early college applications are due in November. Let's finish strong. 
Go admirals. Like, yeah, just because you're a senior doesn't mean everyone you're giving this announcement to is also a senior, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, yeah. But it's very much just character building. Sure. We know that she is the perfect valedictorian type student who also, like, is heavily involved in ASB and all of that. But so a week after that, on a Saturday, she is there for detention. Saturday school is what we used to call it. Yes. It's funny because (laughs) I had one Saturday school detention in all of my high school career. It fucking sucked. But it was like three hours, a couple of hours where we just sat in a room. You know, three hours or so, yeah. And then we left. Uh Uh-huh. And there was a big group of us, okay? Now, I can't imagine, in this day and age, any student showing up to a Saturday school detention. Because we have trouble getting them to show up to any detention. But I suppose that's just that I worked at schools where kids don't care about graduating. (laughs) I, I got maybe five detentions in my entire school career, and every single one of them was for tardiness. It was always like, because we had one of those schools that was like, if you're not in the classroom and in your seat, by the time the second bell rings, you are late. And they would literally run into the classroom after you and yank you out of the classroom, take you into the NPR where they can lecture you about the importance of being present for class, and then give everyone a detention. It's like, I would have been in class just fine. if you kids had... say every single no, no, no. fucking time. I was 15 minutes late for class versus being three seconds late for class. There is a big difference. Kids every, it's a every huge hypocritical thing. It's Don't do I, it. Just don't do it. Just hand just, them the detention right there. Lecture them in the detention. Yes. <laughs> True. Yes. It was the most annoying thing because I was a great student. I never did anything wrong. I got great grades. I never uh, uh, talked back to teachers in a way that wasn't academic, but I still got detentions because I wasn't in my seat by the second bell. Guess what the only thing I ever got detentions for was? I don't know. You went to Saturday school, so. It's for getting a bunch of detentions for something. You want to guess what it was? <laughs> Being tardy? No, I was never late. What was it then? Uniform. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Girls have it rough when it comes to school dress codes. It is such Really bullshit. ridiculous. Yes. Uh-huh. I, when I worked at a, yes, I worked at a um, private school for less than, a, like, two months. But. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But the whole time I was there, I was like, I will never give a girl a detention for yeah. her uniform because get fucked. That's it how was I feel always, about it. yeah, I remember if you're wearing a skirt, it has to go down. Depending on what school you're at, it has to go down past your knees or past your fingertips, depending on the school. For guys, this is the great part in middle school, it was the bagginess of your pants. That was a dress code issue. If they could put a ruler, at your leg and pull out your pant leg and it passed a certain number of inches, you get a dress code violation. I hate dress code. Uh-huh. I hate dress code so is much. so fucking stupid. Like, I get that there needs to be some sort of expectation, like you can't show up to school naked. So there needs to be some minimum level. But the level that they always put it at is always way too high. Mm-hmm. And that's more disruptive to the education than just letting them wear what the fuck they want to wear. 
ah, and then Columbine happened and you couldn't wear a black coat anymore. <laughs> so I remember a couple of my friends got sent to the office because they were the type to wear those sort of like trench coats and shit like that. And they got busted because all of a sudden it was like, oh, it was a symbol that you were going to shoot up your school. Like just way to not understand anything. <laughs> okay, good job. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Saturday school, not that big of a deal, really. You're there for a couple hours and they take away a day that's not normally reserved for school to do it. Otherwise, not that big a deal. Yeah, but this and The Breakfast Club, which this is certainly... Oh, yeah, it's The Breakfast it, Club, like, but a horror movie, un- sure. Unashamedly. Yeah. Yes, like, very much so. It is very much trying to be The Breakfast Club. They don't have the same archetypes that The Breakfast Club do. They don't lean so heavily into archetypes, but there is... You know, the good girl. So, Annie Q is supposed to be Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. Pretty much all the other characters are supposed to be Bender, except for Brett, who you could probably say is a little bit of Anthony Michael Hall, but also a little bit of the jock character, even though he's not a jock in any way. Emilio Estevez. You know, the whole trying to live up to your parents' standards. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> and we have the, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Oh, absolutely. He is 100% that character. Except they make him less comedic and more, like, tragic. Yeah. Because he's an alcoholic and his wife left him and he's really struggling with that. And the movie is going to, it's so funny, Kelsey and I said basically the same thing. <laughs> That it never even fucking occurred to us that the movie was trying to convince us that he was the killer. But it really was. And you want to know why it didn't occur to me specifically because I was just like, I get it. Yeah. uh (laughs) I totally understand why this guy is having a bad day. Yes. (laughs) Like, these kids suck. Like, I don't don't give a fuck. I, I mean, like, look. He handles it miserably. Yes, he's he is a, a terrible, terrible teacher. Terrible yes. teacher. He should not be in the school system. But, but I understand I, how a person can end up that way without them having to be the killer. I one hundred percent understand totally. why a per like everything he says and does are what teachers think and uh-huh. don't do. This is the vice principal, Mister Armstrong, played by Hugo Armstrong. Uh. I just thought it was like. When does that ever happen? Usually it's first names. But yeah, so it's just, it's so funny because you're supposed to be thinking that he's this evil guy. And I'm just like, I understand. Yeah. We also didn't mention that Erica runs into her sort of on again, off again boyfriend, Jason, outside, who's also at school on a Saturday in his basketball uniform. for basketball stuff. He's there for practice or something. It's weird. But... More, though, I'm confused about why her parents would let her have a boyfriend. Right. If her life is what they try to depict it as, how is it that she manages to have a boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Later, she'll tell us that, oh, I've had sex with him for like 27 times. It's just like, how did you get so much alone time with him, Uh with your strict-ass parents Mm -hmm. that don't let you eat unless you finish all of your homework? Yeah. Absurd. Also, we will end up finding out why she's in detention. It's this big, big reveal. 
And it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. They're going to hide it for the entire episode, but we will find out later it was for quote-unquote cheating. What she did was she tried to bribe specifically the belligerent Mr. Armstrong to give her the answers or give her an A instead of an A minus. To raise it from an A minus to an A. And I'm just like, I don't believe that you would have gotten A minuses. Right. And and I don't believe that you would have thought that that was something that was going that to work? happen. That would work. Yeah. With this teacher in particular. Yeah. And then when he wanted to kick her out for it, he says that the principal wants to see people succeed. And so she just got this Saturday school. So we know for a fact that there are other people out there that know her secret. Right. And yet they act at the end like nobody oh, knows. Everyone who knew the secret is dead now. Yeah. So, no. Principal's still alive. Yeah. And she gives an announcement to the entire school that is a bold-faced lie. Yeah, unless <laughs> unless you're suggesting that the principal isn't going to share that news with anyone else. Probably because you're expecting that he's not allowed to. But then that doesn't make any sense either because her whole thing was that she was concerned that she wasn't going to get into Harvard because everybody knew that she had done this bribe. Well, because but nobody would end, give her a recommendation. Exactly. Yeah. But then at the end, they act like it's all swept under the rug. Uh-huh. And everything's fine now and she can go to Harvard. And it's like, nah. I feel like adding on to that, the fact that she's lying about going to Saturday school will make – the principal even less inclined to give her this recommendation. Mm -hmm. But maybe the assumption is, well, she survived all these, she survived all these murders. Let's just give her the recommendation because we feel bad. What was that movie where they pretend that the dude's roommate dies in order for the guy to get all A's because there's oh, that rumor that, that if you're if your roommate dies, you don't have to go to classes and you just get nothing but A's. A student found to have died as a result of his own willful act will... Uh, any other student residing in the same housing unit of said student shall be rewarded grades of the highest order regardless of academic standing. So who is at Saturday School, Kelsey? I don't remember their names except for Russ, which I find hilarious. Yeah, Russ is probably the best character. Russ is a troublemaker. Just like He's Lizzie just a is a troublemaker. Lizzie is, Lizzie specifically on purpose does things to get in trouble because she doesn't want to go home to, to her, her alcoholic, alcoholic mother. mother. Yeah. Which my response to that is there are plenty of other places for her to go. Yeah, uh-huh. I spent a lot of time not at home and I feel like if my parents were alcoholics, they probably wouldn't be upset if I wasn't at home, but I don't know what other people's individual lived experiences are, but it seems like a really weird thing to do. But, m well, maybe it's, I mean, look, think about the breakfast club. Uh-huh. Why is, what's her face there? Because she didn't have anything else to yeah, do. Yeah, but she's the weird one. True. There's no weird one here. Not in that way. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but anyway, we so we've we've mentioned Russ, we've mentioned Lizzie. There's Vic, who's like the tough guy. Oh, I hate Vic so much. I hate him so, so much. You hate him so much because you see in him students that you have to deal with. No, I hate him because he ends up being a total coward. Interesting. 100%. The whole movie, I knew that was what they were hinting at. Because you could see when- Because he acts tough, but you know when the chips are down, he's really right, just you, a kid. You could see when the principal came at him, you could see legitimate fear. Which they did do with Bender in 
the Breakfast Club, but I feel that with Bender it was more shock. Yeah. Like I can't believe a staff member would act this way. Uh, whereas in this one, it felt like legitimate fear. And that works because later he becomes a total coward. And it is just so angering. Because it's just like, he doesn't even try to defend himself. And he has an axe. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And he, does, <laughs> he doesn't even try once to hack at the killer. Yeah. We also have Brett in addition to Erica. Uh, so Brett is like, I wrote down, this is actually what I wrote down. There's Lizzie Whitmore, the girl, Russ Jones, the goofy curly haired kid, Victor Castro, the troubled kid, and Brett Calloway, the cute guy. Couldn't you argue that Lizzie is kind of the weird girl? This is before we knew anything. I know, but I'm saying, couldn't no. you argue that? No, I do not think She's so. She's got parents who ignore her. Yes. Lizzie has an alcoholic mother who neglects her. Right, but she's not like... They both come here because they don't want to be at home. But she's not there shaking her dandruff onto the table or like any of the weird girl shit that made her a weird girl in that movie. A basket case. Yeah, the basket case, that's right. But yeah, and Brett, we never discover what he is there for. Yeah, which was a big red flag for me. The whole time. Yeah, I was like, well, okay, I know that there's going to be a big reveal with why Erica's there, right? I I expect it because they're not telling anybody in the movie. They're also not telling the audience. So it's going to be like this thing when it's revealed. But you know who else they haven't revealed why he's supposed to be there? It's Brett. And so my immediate reaction was, just like in The Breakfast Club, he doesn't need to be there. He has a thing for Erica, and so he shows up on the day that Erica shows up. Yes. Immediately, that was what I thought. Yes, because I had the hope that this was going to be a ghost movie. Yes. I had this hope. And that you could have this little love story, maybe, in the middle of this yes. ghost story. Sure, yes. But no. Nope. I And plus, like, when you were talking about Brett, I was just like, that'd be too, way too obvious. At the point that you were saying it. And it's funny because that's when when we were saying how obvious it was that Brett would be the killer was the time when we realized, oh shit, have they been trying to convince us that it's that the, this prin- is the principal, principal this entire time? Yes. <laughs> that's when we realized, wait a minute, are we supposed to think it's the principal? <laughs> Vice principal. But yeah, he is absolutely ridiculous in the way that he treats these kids. It's just like, you wouldn't say that, especially around the girl who, I understand she tried to bribe you, but now she has legitimate shit she can go and tell, like, the the media. And Uh you don't think that the media is going to love this, this A-plus student who was struggling so much and then got sent in and had to deal with this berating teacher. Like, it it would sell so quickly. It's ridiculous that he behaves the way that he does. Mr. Armstrong. Yes. Yeah, but he's, he's an alcoholic. He's a drunk. And he obviously has anger issues. So he leaves them alone to clean off the gum from all the tables and chairs. And so they start to do that. And they also tell a little bit of the story of the school spirit, which is how they refer to it. The Admiral. Yeah, so what it was is... Apparently she was some uptight teacher from like 10 years ago. 
the kids pulled a prank on her. They dumped a bunch of cold water on her. Nobody knows exactly. But she had a heart attack and died right there on the spot. The kids freaked out, so they covered her up by putting her in an Admiral mascot costume and hid her body on campus. And since then, she's been haunting the school and taking revenge on bad kids. I wrote down, because it's going to matter later, how long ago was this supposed to happen? It sounds like it's 40 years ago, but was it like two years ago? Right. Right. From the stuff that we figure out. Yeah, from the information that we are given, unless Brett is older than we think he is, which is possible. Uh Uh-huh. That's 100% possible. It is. Also, what we're going to find out is it is Brett. Yeah. Dressing up this way. How does the story get out with all the people he kills? Right. His How whole is objective story is being to keep generated the school like respected. If and, he's killing yeah. these kids. Mm-hmm. How do they know about the teacher? Like it's so confusing. Because that is really what happened. Yes, that actually is what happened. So how did the real story get out? Yeah. Who fucking knows? It's also unclear in the beginning of the movie how much of a because they they play Brett like he is a squeaky clean type like Erica when we find out later that Erica's not that squeaky clean but he legitimately is but Erica's also the new girl to Saturday school that everyone's surprised to see there nobody's surprised to see Brett because he's been there before Mm -hmm. and there's one throwaway line about that but it does make it seem like the movie's a little bit confusing as to how we're supposed to interpret Brett as a character for the entire thing until we get that throwaway line. It's also confusing because I'm fairly certain that in the first murder, he's in the room with them. We didn't go back and watch it. Yeah, we didn't go back and watch it. So the first thing that happens... I kept thinking it can't be any of the kids because they were all in the room when Russ died. But again, cannot stress this enough, they were not all in the room when Russ died. Here's what happened. The three other kids, Russ, Lizzie, and Vic, all go to get weed and alcohol. Which, by the way, she's like, oh, do we want to smoke from the pipe or from the vape? From the fucking vape, unless you want it to smell like weed. Yeah. Like, of course, use the fucking vape. And then later, there's this whole thing about how it smells like weed in here. No, it doesn't. Yes, it Although does. there's one throwaway line that's like... Why do you have to always get the scented stuff? What's it going to smell like? Strawberries? It's stupid shit like that. So Russ goes into the vice principal's office after the other two distract him. And he goes to steal the alcohol. So he's going to get killed here. And so Kelsey's like, well, Vic is with Lizzie out in the hallway. Brett is with Erica back in the library Mm -hmm. where they're supposed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. How does Brett get away to kill him? Oh, mother. Are you okay? I'll go get you a first aid kit. Uh, I think there's one in Woodshop. I'll be right back. Are you going to be okay in here? By yourself? How does Russ get killed? So Russ is sneaking into the principal's office to get... Whiskey. To get alcohol. He's uh-huh. he's just told to take what he thinks that the guy drinks the most of. How on earth is he supposed to know that? Just get the normal stuff, not the high shelf stuff. That's what Lizzie tells him because she knows. If I want to steal alcohol from my mom, she'll notice if I take the stuff 
that's really, really nice. But if I take the stuff that she drinks every day, she'll just think that she drank it and forgot. But yeah, he gets there and has no way of knowing which is the more expensive stuff because he doesn't know shit. It's also funny when he takes it back to hide in the science room. Mm-hmm. When he tries drinking it, he's like, oh, oh yeah, he spits it out. Yes. <laughs> they just know they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing that's supposed to be fun. It's not they don't actually like it. <laughs> but yeah, so he's in this room, this classroom. Okay, guys, I have been teaching for nine years now. And I can tell you right now, I've been in some old, old classrooms. I've never seen one of those... Paper cutters. Paper cutters inside a classroom. I said that when we watched The Faculty. Yeah. It is... The the reason is because of danger. Yeah. We do not want a child cutting off their finger, which, by the way, is the most you could convince me one of those things could possibly cut through because... They cannot cut through a stack of papers. Yes, you got to be careful. You can do 13, but not 14 Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So he gets his head chopped off by this paper cutter by the Admiral, who is this sort of green, sickly ghost in this Admiral costume. And I don't care that it took him four hits. I wrote down at least it took him three whacks is what I wrote. No. I get it. I get it. It's still unrealistic. The thing would break. Oh, totally. <laughs> I know I 100% get it, but at least they were lending a little bit of struggle to it. Like it wasn't just slice clean through in one whack. Again, if you're getting excited that it's a ghost, it's not. It's fucking Brett. It's very unexciting. At some point, Vic and Lizzie get separated because... Lizzie goes back, then Vic comes in and is like, I thought we were supposed to meet back at the locker. Yeah, because Lizzie, Lizzie gets sick of waiting, so she goes back. Uh-huh. Vic is like, what the fuck? I was sitting there like an asshole waiting for you. And only Lizzie is the one that's concerned about, like, where's Russ? Well, because they're like a pair. They hang out a lot. They really like each other. Russ has a crush on Lizzie, but he's totally fine being a friend with her. And she likes him. When he doesn't show back up, they're a little bit concerned. But they're not concerned for too long because they're going to get high. Well, later, Erica is the one that, again, is just like, where is Russ? Uh Uh-huh. Because they all forget because they all get stoned. But Erica is still concerned about him. So Erica is sort of forced to also get high in order to prove that they're not narcs. Is she supposed to have gotten high before? Does she See, that's say the that thing. later? That's the thing. With the twist at the end, I don't think she has been high. Okay, because even her boyfriend is like, what the fuck? You're smoking weed? Yes. The movie plays it like she is prim and proper, and everyone around her, including her, act like that. And then at the end, we find out that she's not, but I guess she really hasn't smoked weed before. Okay. But even her boyfriend thinks she's this really, like uptight girl if he's uh-huh. like what the fuck why are you smoking weed but also they've had sex it's very confusing yeah i don't know what they're trying to say agreed they get high except for brett who refuses he says i can't and then armstrong's gonna come back but it smells too much like weed so erica waits for him to appear in the door and then goes oh, whoops and drops a bottle of bleach everywhere so now it smells like bleach they're hoping And then he says, where the fuck is Russ? After accusing them of, like, smelling like something. Mm -hmm. And he asks... 
Brett. Brett. And Brett doesn't narc. No, he doesn't. He's like, the only thing I smell right now is bleach and alcohol. I think what you're smelling is the bleach, sir. That or alcohol. I feel like I smell alcohol, but we haven't been drinking. What did you say? I don't know. I smell it. Because him the, know. Uh, the vice principal is drunk. Yes. So he's like, oh, you, but like, what's he going to do, right? So he's like, where the fuck is Russ? You uh, get the bucket from the janitor's closet and clean this up. Yes, Mr. Armstrong. Wait a minute. Where's Russell? You haven't seen him? Why would I have seen him? Where the hell is he? I mean, I, I think it's safe to say he ditched. What? I told you guys we're in lockdown. I'm just going to have to literally lock the building doors since I can't trust any of you twerps to do a single goddamn thing. The principal, the vice principal, Armstrong, explains, he explained earlier, too, that they're supposed to be under lockdown because of those two kids who went missing at the beginning of the school year. Uh, we see their missing posters at one point when Eric Oh, and we see that the there's school. a lot more missing posters. Yeah, uh-huh. So he's like, fine, If do I have to literally lock the school down? And he goes around and he locks every single door into and out of the school. So they need to clean up the bleach, but they can't touch it with their hands. They have to get a mop. And Erica and Brett are sent out to get the mop while Vic and Lizzie stay in the classroom. And this is where they will run into her ex again. Jason, who apparently snuck into the school before it was locked down Mm -hmm. to find her. And then it was locked down. So now he's trapped here. And Brett is like kind of pissed. Because he was getting alone time with Erica. Exactly. And they were getting along. Who I think was legitimately interested in Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But she has like this long history with Jason. Mm -hmm. And so. So she's going to go have sex with him. Yeah. When, When he's like. Did you get her high? And he's like, how dare you? (laughs) And sort of to diffuse the situation, which is really shitty. You see this a lot where a girl's like, I'll go with the asshole and do what the asshole wants to diffuse the situation. Because as much as Jason cares for her, he's totally an asshole to her. He blackmails her with the information that she's going to Saturday school by saying, we need to go out on a date again. I I won't tell anybody if we go out on a date, Mm -hmm. which is a real dickhead move. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in order to defuse the situation between Jason and Brett, she's forced to go with him, even though she would rather be hanging out with Brett. I don't know that she would rather, though, because she seems way into it when no, she's she, in the classroom. Wh- what, I, what I feel like it is, is she just falls back into her normal habits when she's with him. Mm. It's not so, like, in that moment, she was having fun with Brett. Mm-hmm. And then Jason comes by, and so Brett's left alone. And Erica goes with Jason. They kind of get into an argument or they talk. And then she's like, I got the munchies. Yes. Because you can't be high in a movie without having the munchies. Yes. And so she's going to go to a vending machine where she gets a Gatorade out of a snack machine. (laughs) Weird as shit. And the Admiral sneaks up behind her, but doesn't kill her. Doesn't kill her. Instead, we see Jason alone in the room. if you're thinking this is a ghost movie, you're like, what the fuck was that shit? Yeah, mm mm-hmm. Jason's alone in the room. He starts to strip down so they can have sex. Things don't go too far before he gets his fucking feet chopped off. That's right. In one swoop. Yes. His basketball career's gone. (laughs) Doesn't matter because he's going to die anyway. And he gets killed by the Admiral here. Mm-hmm. Erica 
can't find Jason because his body disappears. She goes back to the classroom, can't find him. She thinks it's weird, but also what's she going to do? Yeah. How is he going to get out? Why would he just ditch me? He wouldn't do that. But yeah, what am I going to do? It's Mm -hmm. happened now. Uh, And then when Brett shows back up with the mop, he's also really belligerent and upset. Yes, he seems very upset. And this is when, so the whole time he's kind of been trying to gently prod the other people into being better versions of themselves. But now he shows up and he's just, to Lizzie, he's just like, you have to drag everyone down to your own level so that you don't feel like shit about yourself. Hey, I'm talking to you. Haven't you done enough for today? If you're so worried she's stoned, why did you bring the vape pen in the first place? Fuck is your problem, bro? You're bringing everyone down to your level. What? Does it make you feel like less of a screw up? Yo, don't talk to her like that. (sighs) You don't know me. Just really way harsh, Ty. Yeah, way harsh, Ty. (laughs) We cut back to Mr. Armstrong in his classroom, and then he looks at the email that says, like, the roster of kids that are supposed to be there and why. And then he's like, what the fuck? And then he goes into the room and he takes Brett and he yanks him away. And everyone's really worried because Armstrong's being like super aggressive and belligerent. This is when we both realized, oh, we're supposed to think he's the killer. Yeah, totally. And so in the meantime, Erica and Lizzie break back into his office. I can't remember why. I think we should go get our phones. Yeah. But they go back into his office Oh, yeah, she tells Lizzie Lizzie because... sees the email and sees the reason was cheating. Oh, yes. And so she reveals what the actual story is to Lizzie. Something else Lizzie sees, though, which she won't mention until the reveal, is that Brett's name isn't on the list. Yes, she doesn't say it out loud. Which I had already assumed. I already figured that out the first time they didn't reveal what he was there for. But also, I was a little annoyed because they played her up as the smart character, right? Erica? Yeah. And she is smart. She yeah. knows, like, chemistry things and shit, uh-huh. right? But then later she'll be like, I cheat all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's like, but that's not the yeah, which is it? you presented me with. Yeah, I feel like it's supposed to be a combination like, she's supposed to actually be trying really hard, but it's not good enough. So she feels like, because of the pressure, she has to cheat. Because she needs the perfect grades. Not good grades. But she doesn't get perfect, perfect grades. grades, which is why she's in the predicament she's yeah. in. Mm-hmm. So then Vic ends up getting an axe and starts to go after the Admiral. And I'm fine with him chickening out and not going up the ladder into the scary dark tunnel. I'm fine with that part. But I hate that the Admiral ends up coming after him. And sure, he runs, that's fine. He gets into a a dead end. And instead of trying anything, he just drops the axe and waits to die. Well, he gets a Jack Torrance moment. Yeah. Where he gets to axe through the door And then he drops the axe and tries to climb through the hole fast enough, but the Admiral's coming at him. I will give the movie this. Kind of loved the Admiral. Not necessarily the face. The face was weird. But the way that they had the Admiral move, and when the Admiral, like, came at the end of this long hallway, just appeared, walked slowly sideways, and then turned 90 degrees, and then left, 
<laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is it doing? And then all the lights go out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he went to go turn the lights out. Okay. Like, it was just, it was fun the way they visualized the Admiral. Agreed. And we know why they used the weird mask that they used. Because they're stealing it from Return to Horror High. <laughs> Vic dies here. He gets stabbed with the sword, trying to climb through the hole he created in the door that's in this secret hallway. But he's just an all-out fucking coward. He doesn't try mm -hmm. at all to defend himself. Yeah. But Lizzie and Erica are together. They get locked in this room, and they're like, oh man, how can we create something that's going to explode to maybe blast through a lock or something like that so we can get out of the school? And this is where Erica's like, whoa, do we have this type of acid? And this is like, you know, she's actually a good student. Mm -hmm. And then Brett shows up. Just like in the faculty. Yes, exactly like in the faculty. Mm -hmm. Except that in this one, they're stupid enough to let him in. Yeah, they actually do let him in. And then he's covered in blood they from the waist down. They don't in the faculty. You're right. He's covered in blood from the waist down. He's wearing the Admiral's pants and boots. And he's got the axe. At some point in this struggle, while Lizzie's trying to get away and goes to pull the fire alarm, which she does successfully. Which is how she got put into Saturday school in Saturday the first school place. In the first place. And he's like, that's really dangerous. Like Which it's really fucking not. I've worked I've worked at schools for nine years. And do you know what happens when the fire alarm gets pulled and it's not on a day that we were told? Do you know what happens? Nobody does anything? Nobody does a fucking thing because we all know that somebody pulled it because fires don't happen at schools anymore. Doing fire drills is a waste of everyone's time, but it's fine because we should be prepared just in case, but it's never going to happen. Right. Because of all of the precautions we have. Sure. And then the fire department never actually comes because I'm sure they're calling a school ahead of time. Did some fucking punk just pull <laughs> the thing? It's going to be the boy who cried fire. It happens all the time. Yeah. The older the kids are, the more often it happens. But I think the point he's making is that somebody could get trampled or the fire department yes. could come and then they're not saving somebody that they could be saving. Absolutely. And, but yeah. none of that happens. Also, this is an excuse for... Lizzie and Erica to to get, get closer because oh, she's yeah. just like, oh, that made us stop doing a test. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> you did not go out onto the field when that happened because that happens all the time. You don't know about this school, Kelsey. I know about <laughs> the school system of America. So she is able to get to the alarm very bravely. Knowing she's putting herself into harm's way, she turns around, sees him coming at her with the axe, does nothing but scream, and then gets an axe implanted in her forehead. Yes. So she's dead now. Now pretty much everyone's dead, except for Erica and Brett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which conveniently, because she went to pull the fire alarm, which, as Chris said, ends up being pointless because the cops don't show up until after everything's over anyway. Yeah, uh-huh. That allows Erica to get away. She's able to climb up into the vents. He follows her, which is how he gets around the school, by the way. He's in these oversized vents. He's the alien. And then she ends up falling down this dark shaft, falling off the ladder or Insidious too. Sure. Because- <laughs> Or Return to Horror High. Or Return to Horror High. We're going to get a room full of corpses sitting in seats. A fucking 
again. Do you remember last week when we mentioned, look at all these movies that just like collect dead bodies at the <laughs> end, right? With the, oh, it's the reveal of who the killer is and it turns out they're a collector. <laughs> and then this week, fucking both movies do it. What the hell? I mean, happy birthday to me did it, but I feel like that was for the party aesthetic and I'm okay with it. <laughs> This is for the classroom aesthetic, so it kind of works. Kind of. Uh, but she's now all tied up when she wakes up, and then Brett gets to explain his whole story, how the teacher who was killed with the prank was his mom. It's very unclear because he talks about how he wasn't allowed to go there, but he would spend all of his time there. But also he was homeschooled, but she was a single mom who was a teacher. Yeah. So like, what were the logistics of your life? Yeah, none of it makes any fucking sense. But what you're supposed to walk away with is he didn't get to interact with kids normally. But even though he spent all of his time living in the bowels of this school and he came to love the school as much as his mom. And when his mom was killed, he started wreaking vengeance on the school. Mm -hmm. Started killing people. Killing the kids that don't respect the school. Yeah. And then he was so focused on Erica because not only was she pretty, she was also the only student out of the school who had even a fucking chance of going to an Ivy League college like Harvard. He wanted to protect her reputation. And so when he found out she was going to Saturday school, at first it was just out of curiosity. Oh, I wanted to see you and talk to you because I've heard so much about you. But then it was like, oh, no, these people are getting you high. They're trying to get you drunk. This guy's going to take your virginity. Like, I need to protect you so you make it out of the school and make it to Harvard. And now we could say... This is a Harvard feeder school, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so that's his whole entire thing. And then she starts like flirting with him. Do you want to go to a dance? I would go to the dance with you. And then it turns out he set up the whole entire thing like Just a like dance. In, uh, the loved ones. Yes. There's a disco ball that comes down. But and the best part is the song because it is. Oh. Oh yeah, Casey Waiting and JoJo. For somebody like you. I pray for someone like you. I thank God that I finally found you. Oh my God, guys! Oh my God! <laughs> that was every middle school dance. Every single middle school dance, sixth through eighth grade. And I gotta tell you guys that uh, they don't do night dances for middle school anymore. No, they don't. And they don't do slow dances anymore. So all those memories that we all have of going to those dances at 12 years old and being terrified out of our fucking minds and going on a slow dance and it's it not just a being thing that people experience anymore doesn't exist. I will tell you that the only dance I went to for middle school was an after school dance. It wasn't a nighttime dance. That's nuts. And the one song I remember, there was this whole thing where like the guys were all on one side and the girls were all on the other side. Like that was all real. <sighs> I just remember them playing Brass Monkey. Do you know what Breast Monkey's about? <laughs> Probably not a good idea to be playing that for middle schoolers. Anyway, he unties her and they dance. She takes this opportunity to stab him in the gut with his own sword. And then she gives him a little speech. And I kind of love this speech. By the way, I cheat all the time. I hate school, but I do well anyway because it is life or death for me. You don't know my parents, Brett. So don't act like you know a thing about me. Whoa. 
One more thing. I'm not your angel. I've had sex with Jason 27 times already, and I've given three different guys blowjobs. <laughs> Sorry about it. He represents the nice guy, Brett, mm-hmm. right? Where he has some idealized version of this girl, and he feels like he deserves to control her life. And she's allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants to do. And that includes having sex with her boyfriend, right? And And giving three blowjobs to three different guys. Yeah, to to different guys. And, like, that doesn't make her any less of a human being deserving of respect. And, like, that's an important message. But I also have written down here, you still do kind of feel a little bad for Brett. But that's more to do with the actor, I think. Because, I mean, that's the problem with quote-unquote nice guys is... They are fueled by, you know, like they deserve to be rewarded for being nice and you should feel sorry for them and that's why you should fuck them. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the whole nice guy thing. But yes, this is sort of like a nice guys can fuck off. But then I hate it. It's just like I cheat all the time and just like cool. Yeah, they do this kind of thing where it's they they push it a little bit too far where now you really don't like Erica. (laughs) Yeah, she kind of becomes a little bit of a she bitch at the end. She becomes a total bitch. Want to know the craziest part about you? That you think I would ever, ever want to dance with a psycho like you? Are you fucking kidding me? It's almost like, oh man, did you swear up oh, the survivor that you really liked this entire movie? Turns out that she's not that great a person. And it's that's muddling your message about how she can do what she wants. She can party if she wants to party. It doesn't make her any less of a good person. No, they just make her kind of a bad person. At yeah, the at the end, she gives another speech and it's- Lying about everything. Lying about everything and- Oh, I was there doing my community service, which is yeah. why we're saying, uh, the principal knows why you were there. yeah. Oh, by the way, Armstrong is dead down there, too, with all the different bodies. Yeah, but not the principal. No, the principal's still alive. She gets away with it. Somehow. And she just kind of, like, she just kind of sucks at the end. And you're just like, oh, I don't feel good about this. I wrote the video speech is terrible and trite. Like, I get what they're going for, but it's something that tons of movies have done in the past, too. It wasn't clever enough, and it thought it was very clever. You know, sort of like a wink and a nod to the audience. I'm really the bad guy, but I'm giving a speech because I'm getting praised for being so brave. Mm-hmm. You know, like that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Very, very common, trite. And I wrote down, I guess these are supposed to be sort of like low risk, low stakes, fun. That's why they're episodes of a series and not just like standalone movies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it wasn't that fun. It's kind of boring. Right. It wasn't that offensive. No. It didn't. It didn't do it didn't a lot wrong or much. bad. Yeah, it just wasn't. There it's just, wasn't. A, it's kind of boring. boring. Yeah. It, I mean, it's Breakfast Club with a, a killer. A killer. Yeah. Uh huh. And that sounds cooler than it is. <laughs> that sounds a lot cooler than it is because it doesn't have a lot of the fun stuff that the Breakfast Club has. Yeah. So, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I read that this is one of their higher regarded ones. It has six reviews. Oh. Wow. On Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to say 40. 50. 50%. So three positive, three negative. No Metacritic. Of course, no cinema score because it's not in cinema. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? Keeping in mind that 
you I think gave, it's underrated. You gave Return to Horror High 52. I gave it a 47. Yeah, I mean, this one is just kind of... It's kind of like... Like, it's well made. Yeah, competently made. Yeah. But know. nothing about it excites me. Yeah. It has almost the exact opposite problem that I had with Return to Horror High, where everything either infuriated me or filled me with joy. Like, it was very extreme one way or the other. And I just had to say, there's just a little bit too much disappointment in there for me to give it a positive score. So I gave it a 47, regardless of how much joy I actually derived from it. This is kind of the exact opposite, where everything is just so middle of the road. Nothing is... Bad. Risky enough for me to get, like, really upset about it, but it also means I can't really say that I enjoyed much of it either. So this feels like a perfect 50 for me. I think 50 is actually a great score. Yeah. But what would you have said? Well, if I had stayed with my 57, I'd feel more confident in giving this a 52. But since I gave a 52 to the other one, I guess I'll give this a 50. Yeah, it's a... It, this is a perfect example of a very middle-of-the-road horror movie, I feel. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, uh-huh. Nothing great about it, nothing terrible about it. Starting to think these Into the Dark movies aren't that great. <laughs> yeah. We've seen three of them now. Mm-hmm. New Year, New You, we gave pretty good scores to. It's a very highly regarded episode on, on Rotten Tomatoes. At least it had a 93. You gave it a 65. I gave it a 75. So we liked it. We also, we also personally watched, I think it's called Down, Valentine's Day episode where they're stuck in an elevator. No good. We did not like that one. And this one's fine. This one's just so, eh. Would have been better if it had been a real ghost, guys. Yes. Yes, it would have. It very much would have. Because you're working within the confines of this, like, anthology franchise, right? Like what they were trying to do with Halloween when they made Halloween 3, right? Because you're doing that... It really reduces the risk, and you can kind of do fucking anything you want. And they just went so damned safe with it. Mm-hmm. When you could have just make it a fucking ghost story. Have a ghost be traveling throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, they made three movies out of Fear Street. <laughs> three movies. They needed a concept to hold up for three films, and they still went, like, fucking out there with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With all the different killers and the heart and the ground and the they get resurrected and like they went out there with it. This zero risk. You're walking on ground level. Mm-hmm. You can do anything you want. And they still couldn't commit to a ghost story. Exactly. Which is a little bit of a bummer. Yes. All for a twist. Not much of a fucking twist. Nope. Never occurred to us that Armstrong would have been the killer. Nope. Immediately we knew there was something up with Brett. Yep. None of it was a surprise. Nope. It's just a middle-of-the-road-ass movie. Would have been way better, in my opinion, if Vic, because what Vic does, I don't think we mentioned this, he's the one that tells the story of the ghost story, right? Yeah. And he tells it as a joke. Wouldn't it have been great if no one believed him? And everyone was just like, this is fucking bullshit. We're not in the fifth grade. Yeah. And then people start dying and they assume it's a real killer. Wouldn't it have been better if it really was a ghost? Right. That would have been better for me. Yeah. But no. Sorry. No. I wonder you could even maybe have a little bit of comedic fun with it 
where it's only around during the hours of Saturday school. And as soon as they've served their time, that's when the ghost disappears. Mm-hmm. Like it is some sort of vengeance of the school. Yes. And it's like, oh, you served your time. Okay, I'm done. You know, like that would have been fun. But nope. I even, even at the time, like when I was still hoping it was a ghost, I wrote down, why would he, why would the ghost kill the basketball player? Right. Wouldn't it like the basketball player? Yeah. Uh, I also had a note about how when the first two guys are killed at the very beginning, there's this, oh, his, his glasses fall off trope as he's running away, which by the way, if you trip and fall and your glasses fall off, your glasses don't fit you. Does nobody actually wear glasses? Why does everyone think they're just falling off all over the place all the time? <laughs> Nobody knows how glasses actually fit. But anyway, <laughs> of course, there's the lost glasses trope there. And I wrote, oh, are they going to get stepped on? Are they going to shatter? And of course they do. <laughs> and then he puts them on despite the fact that one of the lenses is broken. And then he sees like a green glowing ghost of an admiral. That's the first look at the admiral that we get. Mm-hmm. Right when he puts those glasses on, and then he's immediately attacked. And then we cut to a one week later. How is Brett glowing? <laughs> I think like, it's supposed to be in the imagination of the guy. Right, but man, that's the ghost I wanted. Yep. It's the ghost I wanted, And then too. we didn't get it. They could have even done a fucking combination of the two. Yes. They could have made it that, like... The ghost really existed and Brett existed. And maybe the ghost kills Brett because he's like, hey, fuck you for yeah. fucking up my school. Yep. Agreed. So that is 2019's School Spirit ending our back to school week on Pod Cemetery. What are we watching next week? Well, next week is a witchy week. All right. We're going to do The Witches of Eastwick. Yeah, which is a movie I saw on television as a young child. It's a horror comedy. Yes, but it's a stellar cast. Yes, it's an excellent cast. And we're going to pair that with The Craft, because we did not get to watch that when we watched the uh, original Craft. Not The Craft. The Craft colon Legacy. I see. Oh, man. Just looking at the pictures they decided to share here. Yeah? I'm probably going to fucking hate that movie. <laughs> well, I'm a huge original Craft fan. Right. So, yeah. It's probably going to be It just looks trash. like it's going to be one of those things that's trying to be cool, but it's going to come off as actually obnoxious. It also looks like it's trying to really have this, like, late 90s style to it, which... Doesn't work. I mean, as somebody in their 30s looking at babies walking around trying to act cool because they have a 90s style <laughs> makes me think man you're old well they're not pulling it off <laughs> but who knows i was their age at the time maybe we weren't pulling it off either probably not <laughs> i just remember that shot with the sunglasses when she tells off the bus driver and I see this shot where they're trying to do obviously the same thing. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> so I'm really curious to see just how infuriated I will become over this movie. And The Witches of Eastwick. Which I really like. Which I really like. I really like it. And it gets really weird, too. It's very weird. And I like <laughs> it a lot. And I have friends who do not like it. Jesse J., who has done two episodes with us. 
She doesn't like it? She does not like the Witches of Eastwood. It's fucking Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon great as witches against Jack Nicholson as the fucking devil? Yes. Like, come on. Agreed. <laughs> Can't wait. Cannot wait to see it again. <laughs> that is next week. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at podcemetery. You can also follow the link in the description below, which will take you to all the tweets we posted about the movies we watched this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. Bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Class dismissed. It, 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 Castleman, you honky, there never was an Amos. If you should ever leave me, the life would still go on, believe me. The world could show nothing to me. So what good would living do me? It's pretty straightforward. I think they're missing the though at the beginning. Though life would still go on, believe me, the world couldn't show nothing to me. So what good would living do me? Like, it seems pretty straightforward. I don't know what people are confused about. I thank God that I finally found you all my life. Baby, baby. (laughs) That's why we put things in the cloud. A strong old woman who's really horny.